0: I don't think it's a show topic, but at some point I want to talk to you and geek out about uh, Lego Dimensions. Okay. I was playing through the Doctor Who set.
1: And, uh, Is it after- a, it's an actual Doctor Who like set, like with a game and stuff? or? Yeah, it's its own complete level with its own
0: complete story. Oh, okay. And after you complete the story, every time the Doctor dies, you come back as the next Doctor. No oh, no way. And then inside the Tardis, the control room is the doctor associated with that or is the is the control room associated with that doctor and the music playing from that series.
2: Do you ever get to come back as the war doctor?
0: Yes. Oh, okay. that's actually pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I might and, I might be in on that.
0: <laughs> and you can lock down which doctor you are so you could just be the war doctor all the time. My wife geeked out know so much about the war doctor being in there. That's
3: kind of cool. None of this is cool. <laughs> oh, all of it is cool, Tim.
1: <laughs> I got to tell you, I think Peter Capaldi is turning into one of my favorite doctors. We can talk uh, about. I like time. Peter Capaldi. I just have a hard time watching Doctor Who. Understandable. Yeah, Capaldi
0: is one of my favorites at this point too. I mean, even out of all of them, even at the uh, out of the old Who, I really like Capaldi.
3: You know, we were almost done with that conversation, and Paul's like, oh, Tim doesn't want to talk about this shit. Let's bring it up again. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, that's how it happens. That is how that happens, yeah.
0: Yeah, but Paul, from a story standpoint, the uh, the Doctor Who story is a Dalek invasion, and there are all kinds of things in there like, uh, oh, I can't get over this, uh, this hole in the ground. Let's go back in time by 25 years, plant a tree, then come back, and now the tree is fully grown. That's kind of cool. They actually went through some effort, it sounds like. The only problem with the Dalek invasion is you have to listen to Daleks.
2: Yeah. And they, they hurt my ears.
4: <laughs>
2: you know, you'd think with all that technology, they could fix that. A soothing baritone voice. Yeah, or just something that just doesn't sound like it's blaring the speakers,
0: you know. <laughs> <laughs> One of the maps you end up on is uh, Transalor.
2: It just seems like maybe one of their 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 uh, you know speaker system could be like a Bose Acoustic Wave or something as opposed to some sort of Radio Shack thing that's already blown.
3: He beats by Dre.
2: a <laughs> <laughs> the big them <gasps> Back when I used to run Champions games all the time, I used to have a uh, a, a a powered armored hero called Mister Infinity who he he was a uh, electronic store salesman and he had built a powered suit of armor out of an infinity sound system so he had, he had all of these you know audio powers you know sound powers and his weapon he shot compact discs at high velocities
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is pretty awesome Aaron. i i can't lie i would i would geek out if somebody made that in one of my games <laughs>
1: Aaron, what were we talking about the other day in reference to – oh, The Omen. Oh, yeah. I was was thinking Chica's Locas, but okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That has actually been a large part of our conversation this week between (laughs) – I know you're not joking.
3: I'm
2: finding my emotional center. <laughs> is, is it hollow? <laughs> it's like the Grinch finding his heart. Well, is it chewy and fruit flavored? It's chewy and nougat. Is what it is. Ah, <laughs> I have a nougat emotional center. and yeah, this is tim all right so it's the first week after the funnies we've got uh powerball coming out uh coming out tonight as we record and i'm convinced that i have the winning ticket so i'm just saying i will probably quit the show
1: okay well so just, i'm just assuming so... there won't be a show because you'll be taking care of the rest of us with your 800 million dollars <laughs> Oh, it's gonna, it's gonna get up to a billion dollars
0: how many states up. does Powerball go over? Because too many, 40, damn many.
3: Forty-four, yeah. I think. Yeah, wow. that's stupid.
0: because yeah. yeah. that's all anybody's talking about here too is Powerball and yeah. Well, and I, 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 I do I, think Warren has the winning ticket, but all he will have won will be like a free ticket.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I have, I have invested heavily. You know, having watched the uh, Chinese stock market and how it performed last week, I cashed out and invested heavily into powerball that seems like a logical choice it does doesn't it it seems like the right business decision so i'm just telling you right now paul i'm sick of your macho head games i quit unless of
3: course i don't win and then i'll be back next week (laughs) is 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 operation funny books island a reality if you win a million dollars i tell you what the, the
2: first thing i will do is build my evil lair
1: Eternal Mancon? Is that what's going to happen? Oh,
3: God.
0: Yeah, I I expect if you win for us to get to play Rainsboro every week. And that might mean bribing uh, some of the other guys' bosses to make sure that they're off.
2: Well, let me tell you. You know, all I can say is that Mancon will have an omelet chef. (laughs) An Asian masseuse. <laughs> well, and Chica's locust will come to us.
4: <laughs> I <like it>. <laughs> oh,
1: I have one to to never listen to me. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Aaron, Sorry. should I win? I, I, I think I will be on next week. Huh. I'm going to I'm going to. I have to live a normal life. I have to, I have to live it normal so that none of you motherfuckers ask me for money. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be like that, Paul. Man, he's always broke. He's never doing anything. He always shows up <laughs> the podcast. He's got like no life. See,
2: that's how. Nonetheless, we know that- you
1: don't know that I'm podcasting from the from the Bahamas or something. That is how See, we
2: know you've won is that you've stopped taking all these trips. In fact, you probably already won a Powerball because <laughs> you know you're one trip taking motherfucker. So. <laughs> Yeah. So, see, Paul.
0: Recording I, with you guys is just what I look forward to all week. So I wouldn't quit the show just for winning the uh, the lottery. Oh, but see, I'd buy you all a bunch of comic books.
2: See, I can just afford a much better group of friends. That's all I'm saying.
4: <laughs> wow.
1: Nice. After the sweetness that yeah. Wayne just presented. I look forward to talking to you guys all week. Wayne's, Aaron's like, I can afford a better friend than you, Wayne.
0: <laughs> it, it wouldn't take much money. <laughs>
1: <sighs> uh, good time. I sort of want
3: to hang up now. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I saw a sign uh, over my vacation that said, you, "You know, if you are what you eat, I'm cheap, fast, and easy." And yeah, that's pretty accurate. <sighs> God damn it!
1: So, uh, comic books. <laughs> well, no, we're not talking about comic books yet. Damn it! We're Follow talking, the outline, Aaron. We're talking about toys.
2: Oh, okay. Because apparently we're toy chest with Aaron and Polly. I like it.
1: Yeah. Oh, let's do that. So, is tr- chest a metaphor for boobs? It, it certainly is. <laughs> so I played with a bunch of toys this week. Uh-huh.
4: Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> Now we know you're lying. Yeah, speak slower. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I, uh, you know, Wayne asked me right before the podcast if I'd seen that Superman and Batman merchandise was out. And I have. Um, Earlier this week, in fact, if you check out our YouTube channel, Nudge Nudge, Wink Wink, Hint Hint, um, I I recorded some stuff uh, about the, the new Batman versus Superman merchandise that's out there. Um, Because, like, the whole first line of action figures is out and a bunch of Legos that, like, spoil scenes from the movie. Yeah, the Lego uh, Batwing
0: looks really cool. I like the design for it a lot.
1: I like how it comes with Balt Lex Luthor. So there's a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, there's an Aquaman toy. Supposedly there are pictures of a cyborg toy.
2: I saw uh, images of the you know Batman and you know in his Batman armor, and yeah. uh, the Batman armor figure looks figure uh, looks an awful lot like the uh, Greg Capullo figure that came out last
1: year or so. Yeah, except that one's a lot cooler. The Grey Capullo one is a lot cooler.
4: Yeah, no, and
2: I've got that one. Uh, I, I'm, just kind of, I'm curious as to how the two of them you know, stand side by
0: side. Yeah, I have to say, toy-wise, I looked through them and I wasn't uh, tempted by any of the figures. The Lego sets, the only one that I really want is that uh, – I like that Batwing a lot. But what I did buy is, uh, as I mentioned before, I have – display uh, shelves up on the wall and i have two shelves dedicated to batmobiles so i got a new batmobile to cover this movie and it's the uh a batmobile with a little figure of batman in the big power armor that's pretty cool
1: you know i um, i think i have to say when it comes to the merchandise you know because i went uh out for the star wars merchandise also you know, the Star Wars merchandise, like they, they released action figures on characters that aren't even in the damn movie that were left on the cutting room floor. Like they released like this huge line of figures when, um, you know, in, in anticipation for that movie. But the Batman versus Superman stuff is a little lackluster because it's really only three characters. Um, they, they, you know, like there's no Lex Luthor, there's no Lois Lane or Jimmy Olsen or any or Doomsday, none of that stuff. Even though those characters are all in the trailers, every figure is either for Batman, Superman, or Wonder Woman, or some variation thereof. And they, and there's one like random Aquaman figure thrown in there. Well, let's um,
0: face it, Disney knew how to do merchandise. The release of the Star Wars figures was an event. You know, they had things going on at all the stores. It was a huge thing. They released everything all at once so you got figures lego sets ships lightsabers speakers for uh, ipods and things all at the same time and yeah i spent about a hundred dollars that day buying star wars stuff and all i've bought of the batman superman stuff is the batmobile
1: mm. Yeah, I bought the, uh, I bought the nice – they have a nice line of figures, the multiverse figures. Um, I bought all four of those. So I bought Batman, Armored Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. And not for collection but for eating, I bought the two different cereals. Um, they have a Batman cereal and a Superman cereal. And uh, the Batman is Chocolate Strawberry and the Superman is Caramel Crunch. They, they both play. sound vile. They do, they do. But I kind of want to see what they taste like. Paul is like a little kid drawn in by the cereal. I kind (laughs) of am, because I bought the Star Wars cereal too, which was basically just Lucky Charms. Uh
4: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But (laughs) all the merchandise stuff that's out now, check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Ideology of Madness. I'm still not loving what I've seen, but I think, you know, it's a little trickier when there's only three super-powered characters versus like a whole... You know, every character is an alien in Star Wars, so they're a little bit more marketable. Right, But we'll see. We'll see what comes out. You know, I went a little hog wild when Man of Steel came out on merchandise, so I'm trying to be a little more conservative with the Batman versus Superman stuff.
2: Well, I just can't wait to see the, you know, the eventual Aquaman action figure we get because he just looks so metal, you know.
1: He does. He does. (laughs) Well, I saw the the figure and, you know, he's like he's got like tattoos like all over his body. Right. Kind of interesting. So we'll see. I'm really. We're only uh, two months away from the film. It's uh, late March. I can't. I can't believe it's going to be here that fast. It in seems fact, like just we've a, been waiting uh, for this since forever. Well, it was supposed to come out last summer, but they delayed it um, till till uh, well originally till May, and then they bumped it up to March. Um, you know, in did, fact, just to jump around a little bit on the outline. Well, and did you hear? You know, they
2: they moved it from May because that's when Marvel's like, oh yeah, well we're going to drop Civil War then, mm-hmm. right? And so you know, DC's like, fuck, we don't want to go up against Cap- Captain America, we'll lose against Captain America. And so they move it to March, and now there's this this dark rumor that. Uh, they're going to drop the the Marvel Daredevil on N- Netflix season two at the same time as. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: it it is not a rumor anymore. Marvel <laughs> announced the release date. Uh, they had a, a teaser trailer for it come out the other day. Is it the- is. It's the same day, March twenty fifth. Yeah, that. Is I so- love
0: the poster. The poster has the, you know, if you kind of back a, a, up a little bit and look at the poster, it's the Punisher skull.
2: Well, that is that is such a dick move, and I and I I, I, I applaud it.
0: <laughs> I am so much more excited about Daredevil season two than I am Batman Superman. What?
1: You know, no, I am, I am I am equally excited. I, I, th- I would say equally, but I'm going to see Batman versus Superman first because it's a two hour investment versus a twelve hour investment.
0: I wasn't but even sure months. if I was going to see it in theaters until the last trailer because I really think Batman Superman is going to be a horrible movie. Oh, it's going to be great.
1: The twenty fifth? Is, is that going, what you said? It's going to change your life. March twenty fifth. Yeah. Uh huh. What's that? Man, is, it, an, is it interesting?
3: Is it, no, nothing.
1: Is that is that Tim miss, no. Tim miss. Is that, Well, could be. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and to, so just you know because of the way movies work nowadays, I mean, it will probably you know there will be showings of Batman v Superman starting on the twenty fourth. And, um, you know, I was looking the other day because I got – remember when they did uh, the IMAX trailer last year for Batman vs. Man, I think it was the first teaser for the film. Right. And it leaked online early, but they still showed it in IMAX. Um, and you could go to the IMAX theater and they gave away posters and stuff. Yeah. I forgot that when I did that, I got a they, – they gave um, – you know, I put in my email address and supposedly they have a screening of the film a week early for people who did that. Mm. So – Hopefully they come through on that and it's not just like two hours early.
3: I was just waiting for Paul to say, so they're running this thing where they show all three of the new Batman movies and the new Superman movie <laughs> before
1: the yeah. of justice and I'm already got tickets. You know what? If they did Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman, I'd do it because it's just double feature. If they're doing all of them, no, 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 no. Well, the Batman movies have nothing to do with this Batman, so it's it's safe. Fair point. They could play the original Daredevil movie
0: with Ben Affleck.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you're safe, Paul. There's only one movie in this universe so far.
1: I like it. So I if they did that, I would definitely do the, the the Man of Steel followed by Batman versus Superman. But I am also looking forward to Daredevil. The 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 teaser trailer that they released online doesn't show anything. I mean it's just a teaser.
4: Right.
1: Um but uh, you know, I mean I, I really, really enjoyed Season one. So I'm really looking forward to season two. It's
2: telling to me how quickly they can get out the second season of Daredevil uh, when it seems like they've been so slow on everything else on Netflix, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Jessica Jones just hit, what, a month and a half ago, two months mm-hmm. ago. Um, and, you know, it looks like we're, we're going to get a season two of Jessica Jones uh, we still haven't had the Luke Cage or the Iron Fist, and you know the Defenders thing is is much further down the road. So it just well, it just kind of amuses me, you know. Hey, this was successful; we can make another one. It's well, like I think it's like part building part it, of it, Aaron.
0: Is that it's like they already have everybody cast, and they already have the writers and the crew because they did it once. So some of the groundwork they have to do for these other shows they don't have to do here.
2: Well, that's a fair point. Well, I, it, it just it it, it shows. How motivational success is, I think, and how motivational you know, uh, uh, money is because you know the, it, it's like when you build a toll road. You know, if you're if you're building a freeway, those things take forever to get
3: built, but if you're building a toll road, those things appear overnight. Although to be fair, Aaron, we're still waiting for a House House of Cards. You know what I'm saying? True, true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they're not putting, putting that, that thing out as fast. Yeah, but you and, know Kevin Spacey's got a film
1: career, so <laughs> yeah. I think you know I think with Daredevil they're striking while the iron's hot. Yeah, you know because the first season was so uh, well received. I think Jessica Jones they've already said that they're just not going to get a chance to get to it before the Defenders. Um, so I think we'll see Daredevil. They've already been filming Luke Cage, so I'm assuming that'll probably be later this year. Yeah, and uh, Iron Fist I'm I'm going to guess it's probably going to be next year around this time, and then the Defenders because isn't the Defenders 2017? I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. I mean, it's been so long. That's the problem with announcing your your five-year slate. Right. (laughs) Like, by the time, you know, four years down the line, it's like, what? Okay. Yeah, it's it's eventually coming. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be here. Yeah. You just have to live that long. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's why they do it. They're like, all right, put down the nachos. It's it's keeping a lot of nerds from the ledge, you know. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> okay, I won't kill myself today. I got I to gotta make it to, uh, you know, this, this, the, the two-part Avengers movie.
3: I'm just here until Rock plays Black Adam. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, I
1: just want to see who Ray's dad is.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, so,
2: Tim...
1: I'm sorry, go ahead. No,
2: I was going to say the same thing. Tim saw The Expanse. Tell us about it.
1: Yeah, I'm very curious about this. You know, the, the, I think we're five episodes in. It has Thomas Jane in it, um, who I'm a big fan of. And I've heard nothing about good things. So, Tim... Is the expanse as good as I'm hearing? No. Ah. <laughs>
3: so uh, we tur- we we. Uh, sci-fi is 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 pimping the crap out of the show, right? Like all of their commercials are like, this is the greatest thing ever. So, my wife bought the hype, so she, we, she she put it on the DVR, and I'm like, all right, well let's let's check it out. Um, I was a half hour into the first episode, and I hit the pause button, I said, Juanita. There's not a single character on the show that's redeemable that I like. Not a single one. <laughs> I said. This is terrible. So to review, you're okay. And I'm I'm not gonna spoil it, spoil it, but it's gonna be a little spoily. Okay. Yeah. Um so your cop is a dirty cop, right? So great. That's awesome. Your sort of hero you're you're tough I don't I don't know if it was Thomas Jane he didn't look very Punisher to me but you're sort of like the guy you're supposed to connect with is a hopeless slacker who the the one time he does something like redeemable like he pays for it a hundredfold and like so I finished the first episode I'm like so let me get this straight (laughs) everybody sucks and the one person the one time somebody does something nice Karma bites him in the ass. This show is gonna blow. <laughs> so I am. I was out. I watched one episode. I'm like, this is terrible. Um, if you're into like Cowboy Bebop, you you may like that. You may like this because it's that kind of level of technology.
0: I do love Cowboy Bebop, and like I I put Firefly in the same vein as Cowboy Bebop as well. You
3: know, I liked people on Firefly.
0: I like people on <laughs> like people Cowboy Bebop.
3: Yeah. And no, Firefly. No, there wasn't anybody that you could like on the show. Not one. So I said, I can't watch a show where I think everybody's
1: terrible. I need at least one person to not be terrible. So, Tim, do you watch Game of Thrones? Because that's much my same concern with Game of Thrones and why I haven't been able to get into it. Well, I love yeah, but I can. I, there are people on Game of Thrones that I can cheer for. Really, I've only seen like two years you know just same you, the way you described the expanse is I mean I've seen the first episode of Game of Thrones and uh, I, I, I felt the exact same way at the end of it. I'm like you know what I hate everyone in this show uh, and so I haven't I have not seen past that first episode
0: yeah no there's Game of like- Thrones you cannot get anything from the first episode you need four to five episodes before you really know who all the characters are and then after that you just get sucked into the show. I watched the first season but after that I just I never came back for the second season. I kept thinking about it and we borrowed it but I never wanted to put it in because as into the first season as we got it is not a fun show to watch.
3: I I'm in maybe maybe Wayne's point about you need a few episodes to figure out these people might be accurate. But man that first episode was just everybody's a terrible person. <laughs> Well,
2: <clears throat> I love Game of Thrones, and there are a number of characters to cheer for. Uh, oh, yeah. But, yeah, maybe maybe you don't get that in the first episode, but, uh, I mean, yeah. teary- And
0: all the characters I cheered for, except for one, died, so... Well,
2: yeah, that happens in that show. Yeah,
3: uh, the...
2: But, you know, Tyrion is, is I, I think he's probably my favorite character on television, to be perfectly honest. i got to be honest,
3: Tyrion's probably Aaron's spirit animal. That is true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: but, you know, I, also Jon Snow. I mean, I just, I love the characters in that show. I even, you know, I, I like most of the bad guys in the show. Except that little dweeb, uh, uh, the, the, the 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 king, who uh, Joffrey to, Joffrey I hated that son of a bitch, had to die,
1: had to I don't die. Know. See, from and we've had a little bit of this conversation before, which is. You know, every once, every once in a while, someone will say, "Well, just give it like four or five episodes, or just give." It gets better after the first season, and I'm like, "In what other scenario would I give something four hours of, of no, crap before I right. would start liking? Before I would give it a, you know, before I turn around?"
2: No, I agree with you. I mean,
1: it, I think that shows have got to grab you earlier on. But you know, the
2: reason why I stuck it out on Game of Thrones, and I don't recall having a, a bad reaction to the first episode, but I came in having really liked the novels. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I had read the first three novels before I watched one episode of that show. So.
0: See, that's a huge difference, Aaron, because yeah. the first episode of Game of Thrones, it, it, really, without having read any of the novels, not had no idea who any of the characters were. And they throw so many characters and subplots for you that for somebody that had no knowledge of the show coming in, it's really hard to keep track of everything going on until about that four or five episode and it's not that the show gets better it's that you now know who the characters are and all the things you saw fit into place to be fair the books
1: are a lot like that too yeah no i agree yeah well i think the expanse is based on a book series too isn't it i could be wrong on that yeah no it is and then you know we we talked about the Shannara Chronicles, which we have not seen yet, but we'll we'll talk about next week because um, that started this week as well. Uh, but since we're talking about TV news, there was also kind of something exciting for me. Ish, it was it was it was it was a, it was, it, it was a mixed excitement, um, in that it was announced this week that TNT is starting a you know they they they've had they've tried in the past a couple of different. Uh, horror things, and you know their new thing—they're starting a new horror line of, of programming. I think it was TNT, um, and uh, one of the, the the key components of that is a relaunch of Tales from the Crypt. And you know, I'm excited about this in one in one aspect because I, I you know, I really though it was uneven. Um, you know, and, and you get that with the anthology series. I really loved the Tales from the Crypt series on HBO. Um, I I thought, you know, it was really good. Um, You know, but, but, you know, so I'm excited about the return of Tales from the Crypt, where I hesitate with my excitement is because of two things. One, that Tales from the Crypt series kind of lasted a little while. Um, And so they pretty much adapted all the good stories from the series already. And two... The guy running this New Tales from the Crypt um, reboot is M. Night Shyamalan.
4: <laughs>
1: Shyamalan? Shyamalan. Malamadingdong. <laughs> Malamadingdong. <laughs>
4: you I'm
0: know,
1: like, he's uh...
0: that actually it makes me interested in it. Oh. Because if it's. Because like, I don't have a high opinion of him for TV shows, movies, things like that. But he is known for twists. The twist! Tales from the Crypt is if it's done as you know, as an anthology where every episode is a new story, he can't run into another case of not knowing how it ends and the continuing just throw more mysteries at you because every episode has to wrap up. This might be the perfect project for him.
1: I mean we'll see. I you know, I, 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 I... I don't dislike the guy. I've just disliked a lot of his output um, in recent years. His film this year wasn't bad. The Visit was actually pretty good. But, uh, I mean, Tales from the Crypt, you know, that's that's uh, close to my heart. And so I really hope they don't screw it up because uh, I really enjoyed that franchise. You know, I, I never really connected to Tales from the Crypt. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think it depended on the episode for me. I, you know, I think some of the the better stuff, the Rob Zombie stuff, and all that stuff. I, I liked that. I'm not a big anthology fan, though. Mm. I mean, I, I
2: I like some Twilight Zone. I like some, you know, Night Gallery. Um,
0: I used to love the Outer Limits.
2: And I like yeah, some of that. I mean, it was just, it just it, because it's never the same actors or the same, you know, stories. You know, same, you know, uh, continuing story. It's kind of like short stories. It's they're going to be hit and miss, and so yeah, exactly. And right. as such, I just have a hard time, you know, engaging on that on a regular basis.
1: Hmm. But, but, I mean, that's a fair point. I mean, I think if without a, as a TV show, you look forward to investing in a long form story. Yeah. Um. You know, and when they're more like mini movies, and I I think Tales from the Crypt. I think the episodes were only a half an hour. Right. I could be wrong. They yeah, might have been. An hour.
2: They're half an hour. I think.
1: See, yeah. So. Yeah.
3: See, Aaron, like Night Gallery. I
1: like Night Court.
4: That was
1: mine. So lots of stuff to look forward to on television. But, you know, one of the things that Wayne has been looking forward to, and he finally got to check out last night. I mean, he's been looking forward to this for over a year, if I remember correctly. Is Marvel Universe Live? I think I
0: first saw it like two years ago is when they started talking about it. And St. Louis was the last city... Not the last city, but one of the very last cities it was coming to. So my wife got me tickets for our anniversary, and I didn't realize till we got there, she got front row seats. Oh, wow. So we were right up in the front for this thing.
1: You were and in the splash
0: uh, zone, weren't you? <laughs> if there were things to splash, we would have been in the splash zone. <laughs> I bought uh, snow cones, and they kind of splashed a little bit. Very good, very good. But, yeah, so I've been looking forward to this for a while. And going in, I'd seen Batman Live, so I kind of had an expectation of what it was going to be like, which is, yeah, it's going to be a little cheesy. It's also going to be, uh, you know, very accessible for kids, but a lot of fun. And that was my take on this as well. I think they did a lot better than Batman Live did. They had a stronger story. The characters looked better, with some notable exceptions. Uh, The lizard, for example, looked horrible. The big giant lizard costume. Hulk looked horrible. Rhino looked horrible. You know, all of the ones where they needed a bunch basically big giant suits did not look good. And I didn't care for their Captain Marvel either. And she did a lot of like Peter Pan poses when she was flying around the screen. And it just didn't – that didn't really work for me. Which Captain Marvel costume was she wearing? You know, I don't know that i would ever seen this one before. It looks kind of like the normal Carol Danvers one that she's in now, but there was a mask as well. Was it a mask? I think it was the
1: one she had uh, like a couple
0: years back. Oh,
4: okay.
0: Yeah, I don't know know that I've ever seen the mask as part of the costume before. Not a helmet, but a mask. Right, an actual like cloth mask. But the action on – there was good they had uh, motorcycle stunts going where they were doing like back flips and jumping up ramps uh they had like multi-layer sets that the motorcycles were going up and down they had a lot of wire work going and it was a you know basically a big stunt spectacular and uh, overall i said it was yeah it was a bit corny at times but it was a lot of fun And what was really cool up there, and what gives me a lot of hope for some of the coming movies, was seeing Spider-Man alongside the Avengers. And the guy they had playing Spider-Man was, uh, you could tell that he was like a gymnast or something, because he was constantly doing the flips. Any moment where they were paused, he would find a way to perch himself, like in a Spider-Man pose somewhere. And I thought they just did uh, such a wonderful job of portraying him. Uh, naturally, pyrotechnics and you know all of that going on. There was a really good back and forth character play between Banner and Wolverine as well that I thought they did just wonderfully as the two of them were just trying to one up each other. So yeah, I've I've been excited for it, and I said it was an anniversary gift, and so my wife was really excited to get me there in like the front row, and I had a ball. It was a lot of fun. I saw. So, Paul, I think you said you saw it uh, when it went through your city, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I saw it. Uh, I don't remember. It was earlier in 2015, I think. Um, and I, I really had a ball with it. I mean, same basic review. It, it was very, very cheesy. Um, but, I mean, you know, once you're there, you kind of feel like a little kid. I mean, you're seeing the superheroes. I mean, it's not capades. It is it is a stunt show. So if you've been to, like, a theme park stunt show, it's kind of something like that, but on a grander scale. I mean, the sets were pretty crazy. Um, you know, they have the Statue of Liberty. They've got, you know, all sorts of stuff going on. Like you said, plenty of pyrotechnics. The motorcycle stunts were great. Um, motorcycle stunts just make me nervous, though, because, I I'd, like, I just... Like, I'm like, am I going to be here the night that the motorcycle stunt goes wrong?
0: <laughs> yeah. And they had a really interesting one with Captain America where he kicks over somebody's motorcycle and uses it as a ramp. Yeah. And it's it, like, it, we're, we're watching that. It's like there are so many ways that that could go wrong.
1: I mean, but it's, it's a fun show. I mean, you know, they've got – and, you know, they – they have all these merchandise booths and, and photo opportunities and, and things My like that around My biggest
0: complaint that. about the merchandise, the largest their adult T-shirts went to was an extra large. Yep. It's like, really? Do you not know who your adult fan base
1: is? At least do a 2X. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah that's a little ridiculous. So, I mean, I understand that they're trying to market to kids, but the adult fan base, I mean... There were probably, and I don't know how your crowd was. Mine wasn't very big. I mean, it certainly wasn't a sold-out performance. Um, but, I mean, it's, of course, there's a lot of adults seeing it. I mean, guys taking their kids, guys taking themselves. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. I never got to see Batman, uh, Batman Live. But, you know, I, I, I it gives me hope that hopefully this stuff did well. I mean, Batman Live, they canceled that pretty early in its run. Yes, uh, but Marvel Universe Live seems like it's running its entire course, so well, I wonder what's next as and, far as this type of show.
2: And they're continuing. I, I saw a thing last week or so about uh, you know version two of the Marvel Experience. You know, the, so I mean that that touring Marvel Experience has been really successful for them, and they're going to uh, upgrade it. Oh,
0: okay. So well.
2: you know, I, I think these kinds of these kinds of events are, are have proven successful for at least Marvel.
0: Yeah, there was one other thing about the merchandise booth. I felt sorry for – there's this little girl that was up there, and she really wanted something with Storm on it. And it's like I felt sorry for because they had nothing with Storm. And Storm played such a minor role in the show overall. I mean she really – she's let out for one scene, and she's a prisoner the entire rest of the show. <laughs> So it's yeah. like I felt so sorry for th- this little girl. One of her favorite heroes is Storm, and she's up there, but there's not a single piece of merchandise with her on it.
2: Well, that sucks. To
1: be fair, Storm does suck.
2: Well, well, yeah, but, I mean, the poor little girl doesn't know that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she, re- I, I think we're doing her a favor now. <laughs> by by helping enough. her to realize this early in life before she has to learn later. Yeah. Well, in Marvel Comics this week, we got Invincible Iron Man number five. The conclusion of the first um, story arc written by Bendis uh, with art by David Marquez. Um, And this is the arc that brings Mary Jane into the Invincible Iron Man uh, story as a regular supporting character. Mary Jane Watson. Mary Jane
0: Watson. Hmm. Yep, she got tired of having uh, her club destroyed in New York so she moved it to Chicago where it immediately got into the middle of a superhero battle
1: So, uh, a little bit of spoiler on here um, and so the the first storyline um, concludes with Iron Man teaming up with I don't know if I want to ruin it because Aaron has not finished, Secret, because Secret Wars hasn't finished yet um Well, it's on the damn cover, so I guess I can go ahead and ruin it. So it's Iron Man and Doctor Doom fighting Madam Mask. Um, I I like to refer to him as Supermodel Doctor Doom. Yeah, Supermodel Doctor Doom. Um, And, you know, we we have enjoyed the series thus far, and for me, I enjoyed the hell out of this issue, which is, you know, considering how much I'm not digging Bendis' stuff lately, and it's not like it was a perfect arc, it, you know. Some of the regular Bendis stuff. I mean, really, we could have cut an entire issue out of this arc and not lost anything other than a whole shitload of dialogue. Uh, but this was a good issue, I thought. You know, Bendis usually doesn't do good at writing action, but I thought this was uh, a well done action sequence. And I, I, uh, I like how Mary Jane is essentially the new Pepper Potts. I don't know what happened to the old Pepper Potts well she's, she's gonna go over to amazing spider-man exactly They're
0: just that would actually girls. be kind of awesome if they just swapped redheads <laughs> but yeah i really like her role in the book because i mean she had the club set up and she's there but she's not the type of character to just sit back while the fight's happening and not do something so i mean you have her attacking the bad
1: guys so – and, you know, there was a whole big rumor that she would be Tony Stark's new girlfriend, but that, that was pretty much dispelled in this issue. Um, how so, so my qu- – how, so, how is uh, that dispelled? He says, I have a girlfriend.
0: Yeah, he's, I mean, throughout like, the first five issues here, there is a particular girlfriend that you find that he really likes, and they've been doing, having interactions throughout the five issues – Except I don't think she was in this issue, but she was in the previous four at least once.
1: Yeah, so you know she. Uh, so he has a. Would he? You know, he's already interested in someone, or he's been seeing someone. Now that's not to say that down the line something may not happen, but he's not interested in her in that the that way now. Um, but what the most interesting thing for me was, you know, they they, they kind of all lived together for a little while. <laughs> And he doesn't seem to know her like that in this issue? Like, well, And that's what I'm wondering. I'm trying to remember. Did he
0: – he wasn't part of the mind wife that made people forget who Peter Parker was, did he? Yeah, he was. So he – that's what I mean is he, he didn't remember that after it was done. I know Strange remembered and Mr. Fantastic remembered. But I couldn't remember if Iron Man did or not. But I also remember Iron Man rebooted his memories after that, too. So it gets convoluted, plus it's all... Then they did, you know, this new reboot. So long yeah. story short, he mm-hmm. she never lived with him, apparently. He has no idea who she is, and doesn't seem to... I don't think he knows Peter's identity.
1: It just kind of threw you for a does. loop. Yeah. You know, sometimes I feel like, you know, Marvel... Not to get on a soapbox here, but Marvel very much spouts that they they don't reboot continuity and they um, you know they they reward longtime readers uh, you know by by having not rebooted their continuity like DC does. But reading the end of this issue, I'm like, okay, you know that was just like five six years ago, right. like it wasn't that long ago, um, and you know now I'm kind of like. So it, it it certainly felt like a reboot to me, um, because that was a rather significant arc, you know, the, the New Avengers <laughs> written by this writer um, when they all lived together. So the fact that they're pretty much, you know, not mentioning it or saying it never happened was just just took me a second. It just took me out of the book for a second. I still enjoyed the book. I just thought that was like, huh. Okay. Yeah, it definitely. Definitely either
0: it never happened or his mind's been wiped because he actually has to ask, uh, you know, ask the suit basically who she is.
1: Yeah. And so one of my concerns, and we'll talk about this a little bit here. Um, maybe, Aaron, we can swap the next two. Because one of my concerns is that the next artist on this book is Mike Diodato.
4: Well, he I
1: takes guess. over with Invincible Iron Man number six. And I'm I'm, I'm very uneven in my Mike Diodato uh you know, whether I like Mike Diodato or not. And so, especially after these first issues by Dave Marquez were gorgeous. His art is fantastic. I don't know where he's going or if he's just going to alternate. Mm-hmm. But Mike Diodato was taking over the second arc, which supposedly leads leads up to Civil War 2, um, which is coming later in 2016. But... Mike Diodato did another book this week, uh, one of the Vader Down books. I think he did um, the Star Wars book, Star Wars number 14? Yeah, Star Wars number 14 this week. Uh, Mike Diodato was the artist on. And, uh, you know, so that and Darth Vader number 15 came out, concluding the Vader Down storyline. Yep. So, Aaron, how did you feel about the conclusion? I was pretty happy with it. I
2: thought, uh, I, I found that the Vader Down series was uh, very satisfying. You know, I mean, it, it, you have to, you know, take it knowing that it takes place between New Hope Episode 4 and Empire Strikes Back Episode 5. So, you know, you're not going to have any huge character development or story development beyond the supporting cast. But that said, I thought it was a whole lot of fun. Um, I, 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 particularly enjoyed, you know, as I said in the funnies last week, uh, uh BT and triple zero. Uh, I, I think the murder droids are just a hoot and a half and got a big kick out of them. I got a huge kick out of the big, uh, bounty hunter lightsaber fight with, uh, Vader and, um, uh, the other, uh, Carpion. I can't remember his name. Yeah, I don't remember his name, but, but I know what you're talking about. But yeah, I mean that was that was a whole lot of fun. I, I just I dug that. Um, Carbon, in, Commander Carbon. Yeah, Commander Carbon, and I enjoyed the uh, the big Wookiee fight. You know, I, I I thought all of that was a blast.
1: I thought this was a well done series. Yeah. Um, you know, I I will say I think it ended a little abruptly. Um, you know, there it just kind of ended to me. You know, like. Like the battle was over, and instantly the comics over. Like right. there's no yeah, there was no, there was no denouement. denouement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and maybe that was the just one of the next issues, dumb. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's um,
2: it's not Vader exposition. It's Vader out. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> you know. Um, but other than that, I really did enjoy the series. I, I like. I, I'm very curious to see now that Doctor Afra is uh, a prisoner of the rebels if she'll turn to the side of the rebels yep. or, you know, what, what she will do now as a, as a character. Um, Cause we know Vader's not going to go save her, but he might, his new mission might be to go kill her before they can. Exactly. Um, you know, extract information from her, but she's, she is a, a great character. So I'm, I'm curious to see what happens next. I thought it was a well done story arc. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I thought it was a blast. I,
2: I think that it, you know, it'll be great collected. Um, I think that uh, the artwork was strong throughout. No, you're not a Mike Diodato fan, but I really did enjoy his work on the book. I thought there were some great space battles, a lot of high energy there. I enjoyed the trudging about the desert planet, you know. I liked some of the mystery we got uh, as they're going through the old Jedi Temple. You know, and, you know, Luke is is talking to Ben and Ben's like, man, you are not ready for what's about to go down. And then, you know, Ben starts talking to uh, uh, Vader. Uh, that was a nice moment, too. So I, I thought there was a lot of stuff just firing really nicely in this whole series.
1: Yeah, I'm very curious to see how how long the legs on these series are. Um, you know, now that we've had Vader down, you know, how many more big conflicts are we going to get between... Well- these characters before, you know what, what happens in Return Empire Strikes Back. And I here's my big question because
2: uh, you know it's been really clear that Marvel's put a ton of attention into their Star Wars property, uh, and I think a lot of that's fueled by you know let's let's build the hype engine as much as we can uh, going into Force Awakens. And yes, let's make as much money on Star Wars related merchandise your comic books, et cetera, going into Force Awakens. So they have diverted all of their top-tier talent. You know, you've got guys like Jason Aarons, uh, Charles Sewell, Kieran Gillen working on these books. You've got artists like Mike Diodato, Stuart Amonin, uh, you know, doing fantastic, beautiful work on these books. How long can they keep that up? How long can they keep diverting, particularly the, the visual art talent, uh, from their core titles,
1: because so really, how long are the Star Wars books going to stay eight titles? I think is your question, right? Yeah, yeah, because that's while Dark Horse did a really good job of keeping
2: very talented people on on their books, um, you know, when they had the Star Wars property, I I just question how long uh, Marvel can keep that up. It's a good question, you know, because they're really. I, basically everything Marvel I'm buying right now is Star Wars and you know so I'm buying the Star Wars title I'm buying the Vader title I'm buying the Obi-Wan and Anakin title I'm buying the Kanan title so that's four books Uh, they're the the random limited series that comes out from time to time that's a lot of artists that you're tying up and so far I mean they have Alex Maleev working on these books Uh, I mean that's a lot of talent to wrap up in, in licensed properties it's great uh, that Disney owns all of that shit. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's you know, you can throw "licensed" up in air quotes, but I, I just I'm just curious because you know my experience with Marvel is that they don't keep top tier talent on their licensed properties, and uh, and I know it's a whole different engine with uh, with Star Wars and Disney, but uh, I'm curious to see how that shakes out.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, well, and speaking of top-tier talent, let's talk about the, the new book that came out this week, or if you were lucky enough to uh, to notice it, it came out on the first, uh, because comic shops accidentally got their Marvel books a week early and started putting them out on shelves, even though they weren't <laughs> supposed to. So Marvel released uh, most of their books on Comicsology on the first, oh. including this book, Star Wars Obi-Wan and Anakin, written by Charles Sewell, with art uh, by Marco Cicchetto. Um who was the artist on the Shattered Empire series yes. as well, um, which I think was no, which written by uh, Greg Rucka. Yeah. Um, so this is a you know this is a story um, a time period that we have seen very little of in the Marvel Star Wars um, era, and that's the pre Clone Wars. Um, yeah, because this is this is basically between Episode One and Episode Two. Correct. In fact, I don't think we've ever seen this time period. No, I had never seen it because uh, one of my concerns
0: going in. So I was nervous about even getting the book because it's like, do I really want them to play in the prequel time frame? And is this just going to be another Clone War story? Because I've seen a lot of Clone War stuff. So I was very surprised by it being between Episode 1 and 2 instead.
1: So, Wayne, what did you think of uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin? so i said i went in kind of
0: nervous not sure if i was going to like the book or not and i found myself really enjoying it partially because it is a time period i haven't seen before the portrayal of anakin isn't particularly whiny (laughs) it's the angry anakin struggling with his anger dealing with you know where he's come from and there were surprises along the way, which I also didn't expect, when you know where the, the characters end up going. So I found myself very pleasantly surprised by the book. I enjoyed it.
1: I, uh, you know, for me, I, I didn't, I'm the jury's still out as far uh, on me story-wise. You know, I, I don't necessarily care for that era in, uh, in Star Wars. I don't know how much interesting is really happening there. But the art in this book, the Marco Chiquetto art, and and more accurately, the color art, I should say, Um, because it's a combination of the two. But Andres Mosa is the the colorist. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous book. I mean, they have these two-page spreads of snowy landscapes with burning buildings and you know, um, like Zeppelin's flying in the air. Cause it, you know, there's a little bit of steampunk, um, in there as well. Yeah. And it's, it's just gorgeous. It's Jedi steampunk is what Jedi is. steampunk basically.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, you know, this, this book is a sandwich, right? It's, there is a meaty center, uh, and then there's the bread of the story on this, uh, you know, on this planet that they're that, that Anakin and Obi Wan have gone on their mission to. Yes, I don't care for the bread. Um, I don't care for the story that wraps around this. I don't care is my problem. Uh, I agree. I, the artwork is great. Uh, I just I really could care less about this mission that they're on. But the pages. You know, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Wayne.
0: I say I I would agree with you there. And from a story standpoint, the story they're telling that I really want to see is the flashbacks.
2: Yeah, so the yeah. There, there is a training sequence where Anakin is doing a demonstration or a training uh, with a hologram, and he hacks the hologram to turn it into Darth Maul, or as close a represent- representation to Darth Maul as he can, because he's talked to Obi-Wan about that fight on Naboo. And there, there's this great scene, I just love this scene, where his uh, fellow Jedi apprentices... Our uh, fellow Padawans, are saying, well, he may be good with a lightsaber, but that doesn't mean he'll make a good Jedi. No, after all, he's just a slave to his emotions. And so <laughs> Anakin uses his force powers and hauls these guys' lightsabers away from them, ignites them, and then hovers them over them. And he's, uh, "And as these guys are running away in terror, he's like, tell me, what emotion are you feeling right now? <laughs> Ah, that was great. I love, I love that kind of glimpse into the character. And then, of course, he immediately gets admonished by his masters. Uh, but you know, I, I, I did, Losers. yeah, <laughs> I did really dig that. And
0: that was yeah. the part, that was the part of the story that I, that I enjoyed. Seeing, well, seeing I, I love the twist him. that they've re- they've revealed that he has said he's leaving the Jedi Order. Right. Well, and so and getting, look, we're going to see why he doesn't.
2: Seeing younger Anakin getting in touch with his inner Sith. That that warms my heart. So I, that was the part that I enjoyed.
1: So I mean, we'll see. I'll. I, I'm, I'm. It certainly was good enough for me to pick up issue two. Um, you know, I reading these uh, these Star Wars books because there were three of them this week. Um, you know, there were the two. There were Star Wars, Darth Vader, and Obi wan Mannequin. You know, we're talking about time periods that we haven't seen before, and it seems like Marvel is stuck in, or maybe I shouldn't say stuck. Marvel has been confined to Empire Strikes Back and back and um, you know the, other than the Shattered Empire I don't know how much more we're going to get for that post Return of the Jedi um, time period even though we were like once Force Awakens is out we're going to get a whole bunch of stories from there we haven't seen anything announced and I'm wondering it's, if it's because there are so many outstanding mysteries still well um, actually they ha- so they haven't announced made a f-
0: official announcements but they have said what some of these are going to be so one of the things that's going to come out in comic form is the story of how C three PO got the red arm.
1: Yeah, I did see that there was going to be a one shot on that, so I'm interested about that one. Um, you know, <laughs> seriously? I, no, not really. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll, it's a one shot, so I'll pick it up. But um, you know, I, I I bring this up because one of the things I, I picked up, I should, I, I grabbed to reread Shadows of the Empire yesterday. Um, and I don't know if you guys remember that but it was uh, like mid 90s right before they re-released the the original trilogy special editions um Star wars basically invested in let's do everything we would do for a movie but not release a movie
2: right. yeah until so you had it
1: cross uh, media right yeah you had a book you had a you had a toy line you had comics you had a video game you had a whole merchant I mean everything everything that you would have for a movie just without the actual movie right and so I picked that story up, you know, and uh, or I picked the book up again to to read, and you know I, I really enjoy that story. And it you know it occurs to me we haven't seen that that time period between Empire and Return of the Jedi since, and I'm wondering if part of that is you know hesitation to overwrite some of that that stuff because technically it was a Lucasfilm thing, it was, you know the the the, the ships from it are in. Uh, The original Star Wars, it's been mentioned in Clone Wars. I wonder if they just don't want to overwrite that timeline or what. I don't know, but interesting. So I picked up, uh,
0: I guess it was over the last uh, week or so, the novelization of Force Awakens. You know, in audiobook format, and it added a few little uh, key things to the story, too, that – didn't i don't know if they got cut on the cutting room floor of the movie or there's just always differences between the uh the books and the you know the actual movies but that was kind of interesting too just some of the seeing a few minor things fleshed out a little bit better and hearing descriptions of what you thought you saw on the screen
1: yeah i've I've heard pretty good things about that book i might have to check it out or the audio book who wrote it who's the author Uh, it's the guy who wrote the original Star Wars novelization, I think. Um.
2: Alan Dean Foster?
1: Yes. Okay. I hate his
2: books. (laughs) (laughs) I've never read an Alan Dean Foster book that I've enjoyed. Well, then you probably won't care for this one. I probably
1: will not. But you know whose stuff I do like? Lin Ween? Lin Ween. Yeah. And Lin Ween wrote a new Swamp Thing book this week with art by Kelly Jones, who I also like but I will say haven't liked anything from Kelly Jones in a good number of years. Well, you know, if you're not familiar
2: with Len Wein, he's the guy who created Wolverine. He's mm-hmm. the guy who created Lucius Fox and uh, has made not a dime from either one of those creations since <laughs> yeah. they've gone into the movies. Uh, and he also created the Swamp Thing. And so he has returned to the character he created, yet uh, the character that Alan Moore made famous. Um in the pages of Swamp Thing number one, so it's yet another Swamp Thing reboot over at uh, at the DC
1: Comics. And, Paul, tell us what you thought. Well, two things that I want to bring up.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: One is, if you read this digitally, and I bet you if you read the the actual print version as well, there's an ad for a Dark Knight Returns prequel comic. Yeah, what about that? Written by Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello, art by John Romita Jr. and Bill Sienkiewicz. Yeah, and that Joker on the on the cover there looks really cool. Yeah, a sixty-four page prestige format, uh-huh. you know, uh, wants you make you
2: to... make you buy it in print, doesn't
1: it? I'm, I might have to. <laughs> One shot set before the events of The Dark Knight Returns that uh, uncovered the event that ended Batman's war on crime. You know, this is a uh, it looks like a very Joker centric story called Dark Knight Returns: The Last Crusade, uh, available in print and digitally in February. So I think I'm going to have to get this, I'm, and like you said, I'm, I might even have to get this in print because I. I I have not seen a prestige format book in, in a long, long right. time. And I really love that format. Yeah. It's a pretty sweet looking, it, I, I, it looks pretty sweet. It looks you pretty know, if, sweet. If you read dark Knight strikes again, right. Uh, I couldn't remember if it was strikes back or strikes again. Um, you know, the Dick Grayson, uh, you know, becomes the new Joker in, in that storyline. And I, I wonder if this is the story. Spoilers. That, uh, sorry. It's <laughs> 10 years ago. Um, more 14 years ago yeah. i think it was uh, yeah. early 2000s it's been a while. and not very good yeah you know i wonder if this is the story that tells why that happened or what but either way february 2016 i'm very curious about that and uh, the second point i wanted to make is i really liked scott snyder's run on swamp thing uh when the new 52 started
0: i yeah
2: i agree i you know it was tied really closely into the animal man book mm-hmm. and i
1: enjoyed both of those Agreed, especially yeah. when they crossed over. I mean, it was, a, it was a very successful run for me on both books um, when those guys were on it. Um, but that being said, you know, Len Wein is the guy who created Swamp Thing, and I don't think Swamp Thing was very successful once Scott Snyder stopped writing it, so that title is no longer printed. Um, this story, very, very much written in a, a style reminiscent of uh, 80s Swamp Thing. uh uh-huh. Um, you know, which is to say that if you uh, if you read comics in the 80s, um, they were certainly more wordy than they are nowadays. Even though we, you know, even though we we give Bendis a hard time for for being so wordy, uh, comics in the 80s were wordy with narration more so than dialogue. And this is one of those uh, one of those types of books. You know, there's a ton of narration. Um, so it, it kind of you know brought me to a, to a different time. Uh, you know, of, of horror books back in the 80s, you know, printed by DC and, and those Swamp Thing books and things like that. And I, you know, though it felt like a book of that time, um, I, I I quite enjoyed it. I didn't love it, but I actually in, enjoyed the book quite a bit. I hated almost everything about this book. Really? Yeah. The only thing that I liked about the book
2: was the appearance of the Phantom Stranger, because uh, I kind of dig the Phantom Stranger. And mm-hmm. I thought that he was uh, appropriately phantomy and strange. Um, but the, the story as a whole to me did not feel structured. It felt, uh, like he was, it it almost felt like a guy just, um, not really having an idea of where it's going and just kind of rambling through it. And, oh, we got our 22 pages. We're done. Um, the, the whole book just seemed very plodding. It's like, okay, well, let's have these people just appear in the swamp. You know, uh, I just, I didn't care for this book. I didn't for me, this
1: book at all. It, and that, well, I'm sorry to hear that. For me, it just felt. I mean, I, like I said, I didn't love it, but for me, it felt like it just felt like another regular issue of Swamp Thing from the '80s. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, for better or worse, but you know, I I, I, I certainly didn't hate it. But uh, well, I'm sorry to hear you did. Well, I guess we're not on for issue two. Well, I, I probably <laughs> would, I probably wouldn't be anyway because I didn't like it enough. Yeah. To give a second issue. You know, I don't think the Phantom Stranger can handle
2: his own book, but I sure would like to see more Phantom Stranger in the DC Universe.
0: I'm with you, Aaron. I don't think he'd be a good main character, but I love him as a supporting character just showing up and being mysterious.
1: And maybe in like a limited series or something, but I sure would like to see more of him. He popped up around a lot around the time of the Trinity War. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple years back, and I think he had a miniseries right after, but, you know, certainly not anything that – Blew anybody's skirt up, so I think he's just one of those characters that uh, has to be done the right way. But I agree with you guys. I I, I like the Phantom Stranger. I think he needs the right writer, and uh, maybe Lynn Lee's not that.
0: Well, you know, I I think
2: some of these. I, I hate to say this, but you know, we see this quite a bit with uh, with guys you know who are old school comic book writers. It's like they they haven't graduated to the way books are written today and it's like they just want to stay in that place that they were. And I, I think that's a lot of what doesn't work for me in the Swamp Thing book is it's very much written in a style that we don't do comic books in anymore.
1: Yeah. And well, it's, we've talked about that in regards to Jim Starlin, right? Yeah.
2: Well and I mean Stan Lee. You know, the oh, the yeah. the comics that he's done are very much, you know, cut from the nineteen sixties and nineteen seventies and they just do not hold up in the modern, modern era. You know, it's one thing to go back and read an old Stan Lee comic. It's a whole other thing to have Stan Lee write a new comic, and you're who, like, who Stan?
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> these, this comic is only going to appeal to guys who really have been reading comics for a while. And even then, like you, like Aaron said, it didn't even appeal to him. Yeah. Um. You know, it, it that, that writing style does not work with today's audience. Yeah. And I, got a, I,
0: I got
2: mad respect for Lin Ween. Uh, I do too. You know, he, smart guy.
1: Yeah, and he's he's worked. You
2: know, he's worked for Marvel and DC. Has done amazing things. Uh, he is just full of information. Uh, I, I just I did not care for this book, and it's right. it, and and the the style that he approached it with just did not work for me.
1: I gotta say, one of the few guys who does um, who does seem to have had a less of a hard time embracing a more modern style of writing is uh, is Dan Jurgens.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely,
1: he he does seem to you know to change with the times. I mean, yeah, he I mean, he's not quite you know a, a Jason Aaron or a, a Karen Gillen or you know those type of guys, yeah, but but I don't think he he's trying to be. You know, no. he seems to me like a guy. He's the guy
2: who likes to write a Booster Gold book. You know, he's mm-hmm. the guy who likes to write a Superman book for crying out loud.
1: But you they know. don't feel like eighties books. No, they don't. Know? They, they
2: they've, they've graduated. They don't even feel like nineties books.
1: No, you know, they, they they feel like modern books, and I, I appreciate that about Dan Jurgens. I do too. I do too. So um, last week, Superman Wonder Woman Annual 2 came out, and if I recall correctly, this had something – does this book have something to do with the uh, the current storyline going on in both titles or the all o- the Superman titles? The only thing that has to do with is the relationship between Superman and Wonder Woman. Okay. So tell me about it because I did not pick this up.
3: Tim, you want to kick us off? This was this book was was what I needed to say goodbye to this title. To be fair, what, and, that, and that's not to say I didn't like it. This this was closure for you. Yeah, this yeah. was closure for me. Um, I, I I don't know how you feel about it, Aaron, but I I really liked everything in this book. I, I and I got a feeling that's probably not how you feel. But. No, no, I, I I liked a lot about it. Um, you know, it
2: it. The the story tells it it documents the relationship in chapters, right? Mm -hmm. So you know you've got the the initial oh you know we dig each other we're hot for each other but we don't really know what it means to. We've got very deep, intense emotions for each other, and this is going somewhere. To, eh, this might not be what I think it is, and oh shit, we've got problems, <laughs> right? Yeah, um right. And and so I like that it's not a it's not a character arc, it's not a story arc, it's a relationship arc. And I kind of dug that about the book. The part of the book that I hated was the part that was all fight, right? Oh yeah, I, I yeah. didn't care about that one little bit. I want, I'm like, don't waste these pages on, you know, this this character that I could really give a shit about, <laughs> you mm. know, spend more time in Superman and Wonder Woman talking.
0: Well, yeah. I like the fight for one reason. It showed how well the two of them work together. You know, it was a case of they go into the fight and, you know, she says, uh, you go left, I'll go right or something like that. And it showed how effective that actually was. So for me, having not read the Superman Wonder Woman title up till now, not liking the Superman title, not reading the Wonder Woman title, so I hadn't gotten any of their relationship. And going into this, I had always been kind of of the mindset of why in the world would you put these two characters together? Other than their incredible power level, they have nothing in common. There's no point to the relationship. It's just such a bland thing. And I read this, and I really see the relationship that they crafted and it's a strong relationship that went through all of the turmoils and, you know, I kind of it, it feels like a more real relationship instead of just, you know, let's just throw our two most powerful characters together. And I kind of see what they saw in each other and reading it. I absolutely love this. And uh, I sent a message out before picking it up. It's like, can I read this having not read any of the previous stuff? And Aaron replied back to me that, yes, it's a good standalone. And it really was. This summed up their entire relationship beginning to end in a way that made me actually realize why you guys love them as a couple so much.
2: Well, you know, I didn't need to see them fighting to demonstrate how well they work together. I think there's a whole other panel earlier in the book that demonstrates that when Superman's helping her off with her boot, uh, <laughs> and in the panel directly below, his hand is on her boob. I just need to point that out to everybody. <laughs> oh
3: man, I was—I'm so bummed that this isn't gonna—this isn't gonna be a thing anymore, but. I I at least I got what I I got ex- as much as I could expect at this point. So yeah, I, I like I liked all the art in the book, which is strange for one of those one of those annuals where they split it up. And uh, yeah, God, that sucks, there, Though yeah, I but, yeah.
0: love the through line of he's got the wedding ring. And he's just waiting for the right moment, well, and, and then a, they start to get into trouble.
2: That's a big damn reveal in this book because they've not hinted at that no. in any of the other books. So when that shows up, you're like, holy crap. Because, you know, you don't you don't tip that off, you know, that he's got it, that she's not going to find out about it sometime down the road. Um, and so that that's going to be a big shoe to drop. So my big question is, is does the Superman Wonder Woman title end? Or does it continue to be a team-up title even though they're not a thing? You know, is it, is it the a, new World's Finest?
1: You know, I don't think a, 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 an ending has been announced for the title yet.
3: Boy, it's going to – I don't think I can read that book anymore. And I know I just got the last one and I, I said that before. But I think I'm at the point where it's like, OK, th- this isn't they're, – they're not going to continue this. I, I'm holding up hope for nothing. So, yeah. Well, I I enjoyed the annual. So, yeah, yeah. Thoroughly did.
4: Yeah. And I That's didn't...
3: hard and that's hard to say for an annual. Annuals can be very hit or miss. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I will say you know, as much as I enjoyed the
2: Superman Wonder Woman annual, I equally disliked Action Comics
1: number 48. How about you, Paul? Oh my god, how bad was this book? This book was pretty terrible. I mean, it was terrible yeah yeah so let's tell them why it was terrible paul so you know i have held on to um to action comics as pretty much my sole superman book um for these last couple months because i i have not been enjoyed uh i've been enjoying the the main superman title um you know i dropped out of superman wonder woman you know like a month or two back um but i am a big fan of uh, Greg Pak and Aaron Cooter I, I love Aaron Cooter's art I love Greg Pak and I think what they've done in the first arc on the super, on uh, this powerless Superman the truth, justice, whatever the truth storyline um, I enjoyed and then like, I picked up this issue which was the I don't know which was a a, a, a piece of a storyline that started in another book without any warning of it Right, like it didn't say Savage Dawn Part Three, Savage Dawn Part Four. Um, you know, I, I, I in fact, I, I jumped back to Action Comics number forty-seven just to make sure that this didn't pick up, that this didn't pick up from the previous issue, and uh, it doesn't. So it picks up from another title that I'm. It picks not up from reading. the annual. Oh. Right?
2: Okay. So the the and, and I think it's the is it the Action Comics Annual or the Superman Annual uh, where it picks up from.
1: Well, either way, it picks up. Yeah, it picks up from another storyline. Yeah, that you weren't um, reading, <laughs> that I wasn't reading. Yeah. You know, Aaron Cooter, As much as I love his art, you know, um, he seems to be having trouble keeping uh, up with the the, the monthly uh, deadline on Action Comics. So they get a fill-in artist for the middle half of the book, maybe the middle two-thirds of the book,
4: mm-hmm.
1: who looks nothing like Aaron Cooter's art. Right. Um, you know, and uh, the storyline is just like. So jumbled and confusing, and it's just like, you know, it's Superman versus Vandal Savage, and Vandal Savage has taken control of the Frankenstein uh, monster, and there's all sorts of stuff going on, and I just don't care. Yeah, um, I, I at this point I just don't care. I know he's uh, – you know, this is building to Superman getting his powers back. I'm a little, you know, sad that Vandal Savage is the one who took his powers, so they're kind of building up to, you know, it's not like he lost it for any, you know, from his, his solar bursts or anything like that. Now Vandal Savage apparently took his powers and he'll get them back at the end of the storyline. And so I'll just wait and check it out then. Yeah. This book was terrible, terrible. And as much as I love Vandal
2: Savage, uh, you know, he is not well represented in the book. And I've, the, the uh, bad guy that has been running through action comics lately is just nothing I'm interested in, as I've stated before. So I think I'm out there with you, Paul. I think I'm not coming
0: back. I wonder if they're doing Mandel Savage to tie in with what they're doing over with uh, on uh, TV.
1: Would not surprise me. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, You know, but it's already been released that in issue 50, he gets his powers back, and we'll see um, a confrontation between him and the Superman that we're seeing in the Lois and Clark book, you know, the pre-New 52 Superman and so I, I I will pick that up. Yeah. You know I'll, I'll give the, the title a shot back then because the storyline just it just lost me and I'm not interested in picking up a, a crossover. You know I this I'm not I'm not interested in picking up this crossover. Well, I should and, say. And you know there was a big
2: there was a big guest appearance in the book by Justice League United. You know which includes Steel, Stargirl, Green Arrow, uh, and others. And I mean they're in like four panels. Yeah. I mean, it was like the the worst uh, guest star role I've ever seen. I mean, I'm just like, why are these guys even here?
1: Yeah. You know. And I, you had the Adam show up, and I mean, just like all this all, too much stuff happened in this book for and it to none really it <laughs> none of it
4: good. None of it good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so just a bad book. Just a bad yeah. all the way around. So I'm sorry to say that I I, I am out on the title, yeah. uh, you know, until this storyline's over, and it's issue what is it 48. So it's yes. really only two months. Yep. But, you know, 50 will be a toe back in the water and s- to see how things are. Yep. Because I, I have enjoyed Greg Pock and Aaron Cooter stuff before. It just it wasn't doing it for me. Yeah. It was pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. So. so next week, guess what's happening? What's happening, Paul? Secret Wars number
2: nine. Is this the big end? Is this the it baby? Is the end. Is this the final finale? The
0: final finale finale. I am so excited for this It has nothing to do with the book itself Just because it means that Aaron can start Buying other titles Maybe
4: We'll, we'll see <laughs> I'm Start with no, Doctor
1: Strange I'm making no commitments uh, But Secret Wars finally ends with Secret Wars Number 9 and really do you care About anything else But should you care about anything else um, We have new issues of the mighty Thor All new X-Men All new Wolverine Walking Dead reaches the big 150 next week. Walking Dead number 150 comes out next week. Um, and from DC Comics, we get Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number two. So we'll see if that storyline uh, you know, continues to be good, as good as we you know, enjoyed that first issue. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, all kinds of good stuff coming out next week, or all kinds of stuff coming out next
1: week. <laughs> yeah. Good remains to be seen. That's right. That's right.
4: All right, All right, guys.
1: Folks. well, have a good week. You too. Bye. Bye, everybody. Podcast
2: theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit MarkandrewPope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of IdeologyOfMadness.com. No Spider Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.